Hey everyone, welcome back to These Are The Valleys. I'm super excited for today's episode. We are still in the series, Reality Checks in the Valley, and today's episode is called Woe to the Double-Minded. Mm, 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 mm. You already know, you already know I'm about to be at your neck, so <laughs> go ahead and turn this up, okay? Go ahead and get, get focused because this is for you. This is you, you listening, it's for you. So basically, just want to go ahead and define what double-mindedness is for the sake of the rest of this podcast. Double-mindedness is when you have a habit of cognitive dissonance. So that is a fancy college degree word for you basically contradicting yourself internally. So you say you believe one thing in your heart, but then your mind and your actions are fulfilling something completely different from what you say you believe. For example, okay, I say I believe in God, but my actions don't show that whatsoever. There is no fruit of the spirit. There is no relying on God and having faith. There is no practicing um, and spending time with him. There's none of that. So I say I believe in God and I say that I believe in this or that, but my actions are contradictory to what it is that I say that I believe in. So This podcast episode is specifically for those of us who have been one foot in and one foot out. Another popular term for this is being lukewarm. If you've ever heard people say, oh, you're a lukewarm Christian, or if you read in um, Revelations where it talks about you were neither hot nor cold, you were lukewarm, so I spit you out of my mouth. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about people that have one foot in to Christianity and the other foot in the world. Now, I wanna caveat this by saying, this is not a call to isolation from the world. We're called to love the world, we're called to influence the world, we're called to change the world. So we can't do those things if we completely isolate ourselves from the world. So I'm not saying that in an exclusionary manner, but what I'm saying is you cannot carry yourself the same way that people that are non-believers can. You should not be holding yourself to the same standard as non-believers. You should not be engaging in activities to the same degree, frequency, and to the same level that non-believers are doing things. And so in this practice, in this notion, theory, or mindset, it should breed righteousness. It should breed faith. It should breed further confidence in your walk with God and a stronger relationship with him. So let's get all the way into it. Matthew 6, 24 in the English Standard Version says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then it goes into talking about how you cannot serve God and money. But in this um, passage or this scripture, I love how it talks about the oil and water nature of serving two masters. God and the world just don't mix like that. Like they, and when I say the world, I'm talking about the secular culture, okay? It doesn't mix. That's oil and water. Sin and righteousness do not go together. Sin and the Holy Spirit do not go together. Sin and God do not go together. And this makes me think about Romans 6, where Paul is talking to the Rome, uh, the Romans, and he's like, yo, when Jesus came, he freed us from slavery. 
in the way that we used to be slave to sin. You couldn't help sinning. Sinning was what you did 24 seven. You didn't even have a thought about it. You're just doing it. But after salvation, Jesus frees us from that and we become now slave to righteousness, right? And so in this example or in this analogy that Paul is making, he's saying that we now have control over our choices to sin. Sin before was not a choice, but it is a choice now. I heard someone somewhere say, it's like being a freed slave and still working the plantation by choice. That sounds crazy. That sounds absolutely insane. And so for us as believers, we don't have to sit steeped in sin. And this is not something to just say, oh, whenever you sin, you're just double-minded, you're a terrible person, like you're never a Christian. It's not that type of thing because all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. But this is to say, you shouldn't be sitting in sin. You shouldn't be wallowing in sin. You shouldn't be in a pattern of sin after salvation. This is now something that you have, well, not you. The Holy Spirit has given you the power to overcome. God is a deliverer. God is a restorer. So I don't even know if restorer is a real word, but... (laughs) So that means if you truly have a relationship with God, you should not be the same. The Bible also talks about how we are new creatures, right? After being reborn in Christ, after salvation. So we shouldn't be looking the same. We shouldn't be talking and walking and acting the same. We shouldn't be struggling in the same way. Now, this is not an overnight process, but what happens is internally, the Holy Spirit does the inner work, the sanctifying work to give you what? The power and desire to do what pleases God. Come on, Bible. So, With that internal work, when you truly have the Holy Spirit inside of you, when you are truly brought to salvation by Jesus and salvation is a full experience, then you will no longer walk in your double-minded ways. You should not be double-minded. And so I have personally slipped into periods and points just over like the last two weeks where I had to get with God and be like, yo, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm, I'm backsliding, dude. Like... I need help for real because I don't know what's going on, why I, my flesh is feeling these desires. This is not to say that you will never, ever desire to sin ever again. Of course you will. But now you have the power, the inward spirit to help you overcome that. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Hello? So if you have the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is you being able to control that fleshly desire. This is why it's so important for us to have a lifestyle of fasting because fasting quiets the flesh and amplifies the spirit. So in fasting, if you have been struggling with something, in fasting, you will be able to quiet that flesh, be it through Uh, food or drinks or whatever it is that you're fasting from, even social media, it will quiet those internal and external noises from the flesh to amplify what the spirit actually wants and needs, which is the fruit and the life and the, the bread that only God can provide our spirit. Because Jesus said, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but from the word from God. Okay. So, To me, one of the indicators sometimes or one of the the checks for me that I am walking in double-mindedness is my relationship with God kind of 
weakens. There's always a point where I may get to where I'm just reading the word for routine out of ritual, but not actually reading the word to eat from it. Mm. Not actually reading the word for nourishment, for help, for improvement, right? And so I just want to bring that case to y'all because it's very interesting. You cannot serve two masters, guys. You can't do it. And you shouldn't want to do it. If you really are the child of God that you say you are. This brings me to James. Fun fact about me. James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Like top three, not three, not two. Definitely one. Because it's just straight heat. I think it's only like five chapters, but it's just straight heat, y'all. Like there's no one scripture that misses. The whole thing hits. So James 1, 6 through 8 in the English Standard Version reads, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Come on, James. Come on, James. Now, I love the imagery that he uses here. Where it's a wave of the sea being driven and tossed by the wind. What imagery does that give you? You're bouncing back and forth. Whatever influences put, wherever influences are pushing you, you are just so easy to move and go. We should not be like that. We should be rooted and planted. Jesus uses the analogy that he is the tree and we are the branches. Do branches move and bend and shift and shake? No, they don't. They are rooted into the tree and the tree is rooted into the ground. So the likelihood that a tree is getting tossed around is very, very small, even with strong winds. So I love that imagery because it really does paint a picture of what we should look like. We should be so rooted that we are dang near immovable. Does that mean that trees can't get uprooted and that trees don't actually move? Of course they do, but it takes a lot to push a tree around. Right. As opposed to uh, the waves that just shuffle around wherever the wind blows. Then it gets into the part where it says, and this was the super convicting part for me, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Hold on. So what are you saying here? What are you saying here? Are you saying that when I'm double minded, I shouldn't even be asking anything of the Lord because he's going to be looking at me like what I'm going to get at to you, y'all, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but even if you are in a in a selfish mindset, that should do something for you because it's saying you can't even ask God for nothing. You can't even your praise that you praying, baby, are going up to the ceiling and coming right back down because <laughs> you living double mindedly. Right. It says, yes, the Bible says the prayers of the righteous are powerful and availeth much, but the prayers of who? The righteous, not the double-minded. Ooh, that's good, Holy Spirit. That's crazy. He's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It reminds me of that quote, a house divided uh, against itself cannot stand. And that's so true. When you're internally battling against your own self, you don't even have the strength to battle against the external forces that are going to come against you. You know what I'm saying? So what is the solution here? The solution here is to repent and to turn away, period, point blank. Repent, get with God. It's not this super religious thing, you know, like, oh, Father, come to thee in the spirit of straight sorrow. I am appalled at my behavior. I was literally uh, reading 
was it the Bible? I was reading something, but it was talking about an Ezra nine, how Ezra was talking about how he tore his tunic and tore his clothes and ripped out the hair from his head and hair from his beard and sat down appalled. Y'all, that had me rolling because Ezra is just so dramatic, but like doggone, sometimes it do be like that, but you can come to God in a dang Lord, you know, I messed up. I messed up. You know, I don't know what it is. I've literally been like, it's been really hard for me not to do X, Y, and Z. And I don't know. I've just been letting my flesh win. And I'm sorry. I, I don't want to. I, I need help. I need help. And for me, repentance always, always ends in asking for help. Because we have to realize that we cannot do this righteous living on our own. If we could, we all would have been righteous. We wouldn't have even needed Jesus to die on the cross. We would have all fulfilled the law in perfect um obedience but it that just goes to show guys we are not perfect and that's okay we are not strong enough powerful enough to resist the flesh 100% of the time but that is why we need the holy spirit to start chipping away at that that authority that the flesh sometimes we sometimes feel the flesh has so I've recently, I'm gonna be very transparent. I've been trying to work on not drinking wine every night. You know, it's not like I'm drinking a whole bottle or anything, but even if you have a glass or two glasses every night, drinking wine every single night is very excessive. And the Bible talks about, and now I've seen people do what I feel like is wrongly dividing the Bible and be like, you should never drink wine. I strongly disagree with that. The Bible says that, you know, you should only drink wine um, in a certain You should only drink wine with discipline, basically. You shouldn't drink it too much. You shouldn't indulge in it too much. You know, it shouldn't be excessive. Even Jesus drank wine. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, it's not necessarily a sin to drink wine, but it is a sin to drink wine too much. Then you become a drunkard. That's what the Bible calls it. You become a drunkard. But in modern day times, we call that alcoholism. Okay, when you are going through something, you feeling sad, you had a hard day and your first initial coping mechanism is to drink a glass of wine. You're dibbling and dabbling in drunkenness. You're dibbling and dabbling in alcoholism. And so I really had to give that to God recently. And I'm like, yo, my boy, your girl been down bad. Okay, I've been down bad. I've been on the bottle, bro. I know you see me like, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Because I got to a point where I started feeling very weak to my flesh. Like if I felt my body wanting something, I would automatically give in like, oh, I just can't help it. I really want it. No, I have the spirit inside of me. I have the same spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead inside of me. And that's crazy when you think about it. When you start thinking about it like that, that little flesh wanting a little glass of wine, it's like, girl, shut up. (laughs) You know, like, girl, shut up. And I think we need to start telling our flesh to shut up. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's a purification process, guys. Nothing becomes pure in an instant. So this is a continual process of, of us repenting to God and turning away from our sin. Getting in our word to get the power, to get the nourishment for our spirit so that we'll be able to overcome double-mindedness, so that we'll be able to overcome sitting in sin. 
If you continue to make the same choices to sit and sing, you are being double-minded. If you continue to have sex knowing that the Bible says you're not supposed to be having sex and you just don't even care, you don't even feel bad about it, that's not good, guys. That's not good. That's not good. If you sit here feeling comfortable gossiping about people because people only want to talk about the big sins like alcoholism and sex. But let's talk about gossiping because a lot of people do that just regular, 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 especially on social media. It really um, glorifies gossip culture. If you sit here talking about people all day long, that's all you do. You got some certain friends that you literally just call your whole relationship is founded on gossiping about other people. You need to be working on that. If your sin is pride, you always think you got it. You always relying on yourself. You don't never ask God for help with anything because you really think you got it on your own or what have you, or you're operating in arrogance and looking down on other people or other Christians who are new to the faith or whatever it may be. You need to work on that. If you are a liar, you know, you just can't help but lie. It's just something about the truth just seems bland to you. <laughs> you need to work on that. Like there are other sins that are a little bit more internal and may not be as external. If you are struggling with lust, okay, you see somebody and the first thing you're thinking about is picturing them and this and that. Like, no, no, friends, no. We got to become uncomfortable with sin. We got to become uncomfortable with sin because we have to realize that there is a certain holy oil on the inside of us. That Holy Spirit's holy oil. And we cannot be mixing the water of this world with the oil inside of us. We just can't. They don't mix and they won't mix. So, yeah. Oh, and the Holy Spirit just gave me a revelation. The only time that oil and water mix is when you bake it something. And what do you do when you bake something? You put it in the heat. You put it in the fire. So if you want to be mixing oil and water, baby, you, you don't, you're going to be in that internal fire. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> well, I got to say, I ain't going to go into that too much because... I don't know. I'm not one of those Christians that like to be like, you going to hell. But, you know, it is very much so a reality. So let's be real about it. Yeah, y'all, that is the episode. Woe to you, double-minded. I hope this turns you guys away from your sin, turns you guys, gives you a discomfort about the way you may have been living or some habits you were slipping back into and turns you back to the cross, turns you back to the Lord. Sit at his feet. He wants to help. He's not looking at you like you're a terrible person. He knows Jesus was human. He knows how hard it is down here, okay? So go back to him. Run to the only person that can help you, okay? I love you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode. Leave a review, rating, hit me up on Instagram at Cambridge, and I'll see you guys next week. I may not know what it looks like from the mountaintop just yet, but for now, these are the valleys. Bye!